Shalom Aleichem, Erev Tov. We are in the introduction, no introduction, we are in the writings of Rav Kook, in the conclusion of the writings of Rav Kook on this sugya in Ein Ayah. If you look at the PDF attached, you are on page 5, 5 lines down from the top. Rav Kook had explained to us that there must be something else going on here in the Shirat HaMalachim, in the Song of the Angels. And he said, even though he doesn't have permission to explain it all, that he must try to at least give us some type of understanding, some way to understand the difference between the three and four arguments as whether the night is made up into three parts or the night is broken up into four parts. Last week, Harav Kuk took us through a section in which he explained to us the Ma'aseh Merkava, the celestial chariot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he spoke about the Pnei Hashor, Pnei Ariyeh, Pnei Nesher, Pnei Adam, the four types of levels that people serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Shor is the ox, who that's one side of the chariot, that carries the burden, that's the one who does Tzohar Mitzvot. The lion, we said the lion is the right, the right is chesed. Chesed was the fixing of the character traits. We then went to Nesher. Nesher is like the Tamidech Chamim who study Torah. They can walk, birds, but also birds can fly. And those birds which can fly is like a Nesher. And finally, the Adam, the human being, who is all of these things together, the real human being, the ideal human being. I said yesterday, instead of saying the word perfect, last week I said, instead of perfect, we should use the word wholesome. The wholesome human being, which is made up of all of these elements, and that brings him to the place of Yidiyat Te'erit Barach, to know the creator of the universe. And that is where we're at right now. So who's going to try to explain to us how any of what he explained so far ties it all into the Song of the Angels, the nighttime, three parts, four parts, and so on and so forth. We must explain now. In the limited ability of our intellect. The idea of the Song of the Angels. What exactly is the Shir HaMalachim? What are the angels singing about? What is their song? Why do the angels sing at night? We find that our rabbis have mishmarot, watches. They split up the night into parts, but only the night. We don't find the daytime is split up into parts. The way the nighttime is split up into parts. Says Rav Kook. And remember that with the words of Rav Kook, I'm trying to give you the message. The exact words in literal translation will only complicate the comprehension of this piece. Says Rav Kook, What is song? What, what is song? When someone sings, I used to say song. Now I say a little like swung. Not exactly, but unfortunately my English has been corrupted. What is a song? 
What's the purpose? When do people sing? What brings a person to singing? Says Hashlemut. Song is connected to conclusion, to um, successful accomplishment. That's the word. Accomplishment. Shlemut is completion. Here is accomplishment. When happiness and accomplishment are combined together, that is the true completion, the wholesomeness. And when they both happen together, that's when song comes about. I might explain to you in this way. When someone finishes something, and it's complete, and they've been successful at their completion, all of a sudden there's a breakout of song. I'm happy, I'm done, it's finished, we did it. Alken, and therefore, kasher haikar biyadin, when we have the principle in our hands, sheshoresh ha-simcha va-shlemut u-mimaasehem shel Yisrael u-shlemut kedushatam, that there is a connection between the accomplishment of the Jewish people, and the happiness of the angels. We mentioned last week already that the angels, the heavenly spheres, they receive their nourishment, their sustenance from the actions of the Jewish people below. Our rabbis already taught us in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Masechet Rosh Alpi, based on the verse which says, Ishpot Tevel Betzedek. What does that mean, that verse? When do we say it first? Where, where do you know this from? Friday night. Friday night, the made up of which pesukim? Tilim, very good. What does it mean, Yishpot Tevel B'Tzedek? Literal translation. Yishpot. He judges the world. Yes? Says the Gemara in Talmud Yerushalmi Rosh Hashanah, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu judges the Jewish people, dan otam bayom, he chooses to judge them during the day, shehem asukim b'mitzvot, in order to catch them in moments where they are involved in mitzvot. Why? What happens at night? Okay, so Bedin does not convene at night. What else? What else happens at night? Or doesn't happen at night? What's Al Kuk telling you the difference in the day and the night is? What happens at night? People usually repent at night. They repent at night. I want to hang out with you. People aren't doing mitzvot at night. People aren't doing mitzvot at night. They're busy sleeping. So a doesn't want to judge us when we're sleeping. Maybe from here you understand the minhag, not to sleep on Oshana. HaKadosh Baruch judges us when we're awake, when we're active, when we're doing mitzvot. B'tzedek. So the main avodah of the Jewish people is the avodah they do during the day. I cannot help you right now with all of the Kabbalistic notions of nighttime and the importance of nighttime. Not for now. 
והלילה ניתן להחליף כוח לעבודת היום. And what happens at night? We switch. We go to sleep. We recharge our energies. We recharge our batteries. So we have energy for tomorrow. And who takes over for us at night? The angels. Very good. The malachim. The angels. And like that which it says in the Talmud, like he who says in the Talmud, the night was only created so that we may sleep in it. This is Gemara over there. Talking about the moon, the night. The Gemara says that the night was created for us to sleep. Meaning, we're not, our main Avodat Hashem doesn't happen at night. Our main Avodat Hashem is the daytime. And therefore, a Kadosh Baruch Hu judges us in the daytime, and the angels take over for us at night. And that's why a Kadosh Baruch created in nature a law. That there is a direct connection. There are limits. We end in one place. The angels take over in another place. And the angels essentially are feeding off of our sustenance. Let's read. The angels, they begin to work harder at night. Why? The angels, they receive the nourishment, the sustenance, the accomplishments that we have worked hard during the day. They receive that at night. So it's kind of a chain here. We leave behind for them. And then we pick up in the morning when they're done. V'hine ba'alei ha'avodah. Those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nechalakim b'chlalam neshteh ma'achot. There are two different camps. U'gvar b'yer ha'rambam tochen ha'chalukah. The Rambam, one of Uchim, he's alluding here to important things in the Moen of Uchim. That I wish if I could take another tangent learn with you, Moen of Uchim, we'd never be done with this piece of work. So I chose not to, but let's keep reading with me. Zot achlit ha'charona she'idiyat Hashem itbarach she'ashlamat ha'adam ha'mala yoter shlemahi. And we said that a person's main, greatest accomplishment is step number four, Pnei Adam. When a person recognizes, knows HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She'akol po'el mishloshat chelkei ha'peulot ha'kodmot she'hem ha'shlamot ha'metsuyanot b'fnei shor, ar'yeh ve'nesher she'u kulam achuzim u'chlulim b'zeh ha'tachrit ha'charona ha'shul ha'dad ha'shem itbarach. We said that the purpose of a wholesome person is to accomplish all of those steps of the Merkava. First of the ox, to do mitzvot, to observe mitzvot. Then of the lion. The lion teaches us midot, chesed, kindness, chasidut. The third step, once we accomplish that, to acquire nesha. What is a nesha and an eagle? What does the eagle do? He walks and then flies. It's a limut Torah that brings us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which ultimately brings us to step number four, which is the Adam, which is the meeting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when a person is so used to involving themselves in these great services of the Creator, there will be a divine light, divine light that cloaks this nefesh. 
that everything it does from these things, you will be able to recognize HaKadosh Baruch greatness on the nefesh of a person who serves HaKadosh Baruch in this wholesome way. And I'm going to pause to explain this. You have two types of people. You have the people who are working hard. They're work in progress. What is a work in progress? I'm working on doing the mitzvot. I'm still, I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. I'm working on my mitzvot. I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. Active. My limut Torah under construction. I still have ways to go. My encounters of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, yeah, sometimes I encounter a Kadosh Baruch Hu. And then you have the person who is so accomplished in these areas. They are so wholesome that really the divine light of the Creator, that fourth step, the Pnei Adam, the encounter of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is recognizable in every one of the first three steps. Step one of learning doing mitzvot, you see, you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that. Their limut Torah, you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that. Their midot, you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that. Memela, they don't need the fourth step. Because their three steps are all crowned with step number four, if I can give you that mashal. They're so wholesome that in every one of their actions, there's no separation. You know, the Makubalim talk a lot about a world of separation. Alma de Peruda. Here you find a person who's a person de Peruda. You find the person who their Avodat Hashem is broken, it's fragmented. And because of that, they're made up of multiple parts. Here you find a person who all their parts are working together like a well-oiled machine. And each one of those parts is crowned with the Or HaElohi, that divine light which is cloaking that soul. Don't get stuck for a second, let's keep reading a little more. This person then really is not made up of four parts, but is made up of three wholesome, complete parts that are crowned with part number four, but there are three parts. But not every person in the world merits to reach a place where their Avodat Hashem is so complete that they're only made up of three parts. Some of us, some of us are made up of four parts. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the shlemut that Aram Kuk is talking about. The most prevalent one of these two personalities, as it's found, but I can't read the screen, so if you have something to say, please just share it with me. The most prevalent of those personalities Which is more common? The person who's made up of three parts or the person who's made up of four parts? Four. Three. Why three, Marlene? Everyone's perfect for you? How, who do we know who's a completely perfect, uh, wholesome person? We're all a work in progress. So if your person is a work in progress, then they're made up of four parts. Says Al-Khu. Okay. 
if a person has already reached wholesomeness, then that person is made up of three parts. And therefore, most of the Jewish people, it's that they're involved themselves as much as they can in observance of mitzvot, learning Torah, fixing their character. And they really diligently learn Torah, each person based on their abilities. They do all of this in order to fulfill the will of the Creator. That's Am Hashem. That's what Am Yisrael does. And so it happens sometimes that a hard-working person who's learning Torah, who's observing mitzvot, who's trying to fix their midot, that occasionally they bump into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I told you, we have divine encounters. Sometimes it happens to even the regular person. The light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu then dwells on this person. And in this person, their character traits, their spiritual traits are split up into four. Because the fourth character trait of divine experience is not yet a crown for the three previous midot. Rather, it's a separate entity entirely. There's mitzvot, there's midot, there's Torah, there's godliness. Whereas the first person, Torah, midot, mitzvot, all of those together, it's obvious the Kadosh Baruch Hu, the Or Elohi, the divine light that is on them. Any questions so far? Yes. About the difference between the three parts and the four parts. So I, I don't remember where I read this. Might have been Avram Ben Arazam, but could have been somewhere else. Um, about how Dibekut is an important part, or is like really kind of an essential part of our Avodat Hashem. And about how for many people, just following mitzvot and learning Torah and even like having good mitzvot doesn't necessarily automatically lead them to debekut in the deepest sense of like really feeling like personal relationship with God and like God guiding you all the time. Um, and therefore, those people are recommended to do like meditations and stuff like that to engender this sort of debekut. Whereas there are other people whose path is that they... By, they can purify themselves so much and make their souls like so so holy and like so kadosh by learning Torah and uh, doing mitzvot and perfecting their character and they just like clean themselves so much inside that they get the dvekut just from that and they don't have to do these like meditations and things like that that are recommended for others that engender this sort of you know feeling of of dvekut because they're already, like it already puts them on that wavelength. Is this the kind of thing that Rav Cook is talking about? Or See, is that a different idea? You know, as much as Rav Cook quotes the Moen of Uchim now, I will never purport to try to make Rav Cook's mindset and the Rambam's mindset actually match up with each other. Nor will I do the same for Rabbeinu Avraham ben Rambam. But, but, I think that Rav Cook would be saying something slightly different than what you just presented as Rabbeinu Avraham ben Rambam. And that is, 
If there's step one, two, three, which would lead you to four, then uh, that suggestion would be that some people don't make the leap from three to four, and you need some kind of filler content to help them reach step number four. There are some people that can do one, two, three, and then reach number four. I think uh, Kuk is trying to say something a little, it's a little more straightforward than that, and that is one, two, three, when done correctly, will always lead you to step number four. And then step number four, you become all of that. Though I wouldn't divorce the ideas from each other. It would be worth analyzing them together and seeing if you can... I prefer always to try to make things uh, coexist peacefully. But if, if not, then that's okay also. Uh, and that's, I think, what's happening here with Agav Kuk. Let's, let's then say we now have a three-part person, the more wholesome person, and a four-part person, which is us, the regular... Maybe not you, but me. The regular people in Amashem. And once we have learned all of this, Naveen will understand that even the heavenly spheres are affected by the Avodat Hashem that we have in this world. Meaning we're telling you that the heavenly spheres receive their nourishment from us, that they reap the rewards of our accomplishments, then the the limits of our accomplishments or the success of our accomplishments will directly influence what happens in Shammai. And then you find that if there are people that are wholesome people, let's call them tzadikim for right now, that they are made up of only three parts. And that the heavenly spheres are influenced by the accomplishments, the spiritual accomplishments of us down here. Then there are definitely, there is a reality in heaven in which the parts of Shamayim, of the heavenly spheres, Marachot, that are connected to those tzaddikim are made up only of three parts. Because their, their reaping of the accomplishments come from the three parts. Those are the three parts that have the Adam, the godly encounter, in every one of them. And for the rest of Amashem, that the fourth element is separate from the previous three. And that is because of the direct influence between our actions and the heavenly spheres. And therefore the part of the heavenly spheres that are made up of four parts are because of those of us in this world whose Avodat Hashem is made up of four parts. Of who is not done. Before we read the final paragraph, I just want to make sure that we can accept, just for now, going forward, that there are people whose Avodat Hashem is wholesome and made up of three parts, in which the fourth part is absorbed or really over-encompasses all over, it's an umbrella over the other three. And then there's, there are those who serve there in their Avodat Hashem, which are four distinguishable parts. The fourth one being also a separate part. And that because there are people whose Avodat Hashem is made up of three parts, and others whose Avodat Hashem is made up of four parts, that there are heavenly realities in which the Marachot, the, the celestial beings in heaven are made up, therefore, of three parts or four parts. Yes? Great. 
Let's read a little bit more. Tiny little bit more. And once we know all of this, with the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who allows us to know Torah. Because we're really dabbling in a domain that's not ours. Like we have a job, Avodat Hashem. How that affects the heavenly spheres, it's a little bit, not just above our prey grade, but it's out of our jurisdiction. But Rav Huk says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us in His compassion, His chesed, His kindness, that we should be able to understand a little bit. And whether the night is made up of three parts or the night is made up of four parts, each one of them are words of the living God. Now in general, I don't appreciate the Elu Elu attitude. What do I mean? The way I understand Divrei Elohim Chaim that the words of the Machlokot are all the words of the living God. What's asked of Dessler? He was in Arab Dessler's class. He asked Arab Dessler, what does it mean? Elu ve'elu. This opinion and that opinion that contradict each other. Both of them are the words of the living God. They're, they're, they're both true. Arab Dessler said they can't both be true. It can't be that two opinions are both right. Rather what it can be is that one opinion is right and one opinion is wrong. But the one that is right is elucidated, it's clarified by figuring out which one is wrong. Meaning when I can find out, oh, that opinion is certainly wrong, that then leads me to understand which one of them is true. And therefore even the wrong opinion has led me to to understanding which is correct. And therefore it served a divine purpose in this world. Though it itself is wrong. It's not that everything is kumbaya and everything works along with each other. The modern Jewish understanding of Elu Velu Divrelim Chaimim is um, as coherent as the combobbled Judaism that is in their mind. And here in this case, whether the night is made up of three parts or the night is made up of four parts, each one of them have a real, it, it's not an argument about reality. In, in reality, there's both nights that are made up of three parts, the nights that are made up of four parts. Then in those higher spheres, which correspond to the higher Avodat Hashem of the three-part people, those spheres in heaven are made up of only three parts. And the parts of the heavenly realm which receive their sustenance, their accomplishments, their, their nourishment from the spiritual accomplishments of regular people, they're broken up into four parts. So now Rav Kuk has answered for us why the angels sing. They sing because there's some joy there of accomplishment. The angels are affected by our divine accomplishments, and therefore, if we are three-part people or four-part people, we will affect whether the night is made up of three parts or four parts. So now Rav Kuk has answered for us, at least according to him, why there even is an argument in the first place whether the night is made up of three parts 
or the night is made up of four parts. That was how Kuk, he set out to this. But we want to understand, why is there even an argument? Who cares whether the night is made up of three parts or four parts? Here, Harav Kuk is telling you that this argument is much deeper than you might think. But now there's one question he didn't ask. The question he didn't ask, what is this argument based on? What is it dependent on? What's underlying? What's the underlying idea behind this argument? Whether the night is made up of three, or the night is made up of four. Let's read together. You can say, The argument is the night made up of three, or the night is made up of four. The answer is made up of, of both, right? So what's the argument? Is it three or is it four? Why do you still argue? It's made up of both. Havuk says no. Each side of this argument is holding on to a different principle. And that principle is guiding it to make a decision whether the night is three or the night is four. There's a verse in Eov. Chachamim understand this, that Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, does not have contempt for things that are done in a group of people. And God is a great God. When people do things together, there's value to that. There's a reason why there are things that sometimes we don't love. But you see people do them, really, with sincerity. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have contempt for Am Yisrael when they do things together. There's a connection here, praying together. Am Yisrael prays together for something. It works that much better than an individual prayer. So there's an approach that says, it could be that there are tzaddikim and there are regular people. But there are more regular people than there are tzaddikim. And therefore the avodat Hashem of the regular people is more important than that of the tzaddikim. Oh, or the other side of the coin, the night is made up of three parts. Is that the whole world depends on the service of the tzaddikim, who are made up of three parts. And this is all based off of an older argument. So here you say, now look, there's the four-part people. They say the night is made up of four parts. Why? Because even though the work of the tzaddikim is more qualitative than the work of the regular people, but in terms of quantity, Amisel is greater than tzaddikim. And therefore, the night is made up of four parts. But if you understand that quality is better than quantity, then the work of the tzaddikim, though they may be fewer, is that much greater than the work of the masses of Am Yisrael who work in four parts. This is always the argument between quality and quantity. Kinyan bet And this is very much connected to the wars, the arguments between bet and bet The bet ruba bekamut. Bet Hillel, they're a majority when it comes to numbers. Am Yisrael, the majority were from Bet Hillel. Ube But Bet had a different quality. Though they were not the majority, what do Chachamim say about Bet Shammai? That they are sharper than Bet Hillel. There's a famous Gemara he's referring to. Masechad Yivamot. Anyone study Yivamot here before? If you look in Yivamot, there's a question there. 
how could Bet Shammai do something different than Bet Hinel, when the majority is like Bet Hinel? And there the Gemara answers that Bet Shammai had the ability to do differently than Bet Hinel because the Mechadadetefe, they were sharper than Bet Hinel. Their intellectual rigor, if you might call it, was that much greater than Bet Hinel's. And we're not putting down Bet Hinel here. Simply saying that Bet Shammai were able to do things because they didn't rely on majority. Their whole Avodat Hashem was quality. And the Avodat Hashem of Bet Hillel was quantity. Not in terms of cheap populism. But that was Bet Hillel. And that's why Halakha is like Bet Hillel. For the masses, for Am Yisrael, this approach works. Nobody says Bet Shammai is a Rasha. Chaz Shalom. Shammai was a Rasha, Bet Shammai was a just that their Avodat Hashem didn't work for the rest of the people. Because the Avodat Hashem of Bet Shammai is not really useful for the majority of people. Unless you are a three-part person, then Bet Shammai is totally out of our pay grade. Four-part people? Well, we're regular, regular old folk. And Hillel made a place for us in Am Yisrael. And that place is exactly this machloket here. Between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai, between quality and quantity, between three and four, between Avodat Hashem of the Tzadikim and Avodat Hashem of the regular masses of people. But we're still not done. Wait. V'yesh lomar, and you should say, Shemidat ha-din notenet sh'yeh ha'ikar rov ha'ichut. That if you were going to look at Midat ha-din, the character trait of divine judgment, divine judgment would tell you, I prefer the Avodat Hashem of quality, the Avodat Hashem of Tzadikim, because they are the mightier ones in Avodat Hashem and they're fitting for that greatness. But the character trait of Chesed, it's the character trait of Hillel. The path of Hillel gives power, gives support, gives strength to the path of the majority. And the reason for Hillel, Hillel's whole purpose, is so the masses are able to accept the kindness, the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do not exclude the regular people from Avodat Hashem. But later in history, there, this argument doesn't end between the Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel of the world. And I'm not sure that at any point in time, those respective Bet Hillel's and Bet Shammai's, when they fight with each other, things get miserable. But sometimes they realize that we're both representing two sides of the same coin. The Hasidim talk a lot about a certain Avodat Hashem that was brought for the masses, that were being rejected by the elitist uh, Torah scholars. Whether that narrative is true or not. Even in that narrative. So this is just the old war between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai. There's nothing new here. And there are lessons that should be learned from Hillel and Shammai. If the Hasidim and the Mitangdim would have fought like Hillel and Shammai, then we would all be in a wonderful place. I'll tell you, the world today, the Jewish world today, is still suffering from the devastation, at least Ashkenazi Jews. The devastation that the wars between the Hasidim and the Mitangdim wrecked havoc on Ashkenazi Jewry. The things fragmented, broken Judaism that a different time. V'yesh lomar. And we can say, Shezer amuz b'mikad de kohelet. 
So this is alluded to in a pasuk from Kohelet. This is found in Kohelet, I have a Tanakh here, right? chapter 5, pasuk 10. I'll have some water there. It says here in Kohelet. Birvot Hatoma, Rabu Ochneha, Uma Kishron de Valea, Kim Reut Enav. When a person has a lot, they're satisfied, they're full. So, what else is left for them except for to see the goodness that they have, the food that they have? You know, this chapter in Kohelet is beautiful, by the way. The one who works hard, whether he eats a lot or a little, sweet, has sleep. But the satisfaction of a wealthy man never gives him the peace of mind to sleep. There's something to be said about not having worries in life. Not needing to worry about all your stocks that might crash and your multiple cars that might get scratched in your I don't own anything potatoes what do I have in the world what do I own a few onions you sleep well at night what does it say you have more things you have and the more worries you have here Harav Kuk is pointing to this pasuk that a person here he explains most of the people who are giving goodness to the angels, to the world, are the tzaddikim, the, the wholesome tzaddikim. That they sustain us with their merits. Nonetheless, the tzaddikim, the chasidim, even though they are the reason the world is in existence, but where do you find the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the compassion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? You find that by the regular people. You find that by the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is taking care of those people that are not yet perfect. You see, Midat Adin is very tough. Midat Adin has very strict criteria. Who is a tzaddik and who's not? Oh, you're not good enough? You're out. You can't be 95%. There's no A minus, like by my parents when I was in school. You couldn't get an A minus, a B plus. It's good for nothing. My kids, I don't even look at their grades. If it was up to me, I would send the report cards back to school. Return to sender. Who cares? I don't care. Zero care in the world. My kids are happy, they're learning, they can read, they can speak, they can think. More than that, I'm not asking for anything else. The competitiveness of grades and fighting. Okay, but it's a, uh, look, maybe that's why I'm here, because my parents, my parents cared about my A-. minus. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, the Midat Adin doesn't care about how you did. Uh, my, my, this is not old, my, my, this is very old. My father's mother, Alayah Shalom, Sabta Sarah. You know, in Hebrew you get grades. Before they were letter and number grades, they were 
like you know, satisfactory, uh, unsatisfactory, uh, excellent. So, my father got a grade once. Kimat tov meod. There's tov meod. Very good. That was at the top. Underneath that was kimat tov meod. Almost very good. And uh, my grandma is dumb. My grandmother, who by the way never went to school in her life, <laughs> never grew up in Yemen. She learned how to read later in life. Kimat tov meod. I have an article I wrote about her on my website. Kimat tov meod. Says it's not good enough for me. Not, if you could already get kimat tov so get tov Midat adin has no room for flexibility. There is no place here for, for not good enough. You're either good enough or you go home. That's midat adin. Midat chesed is a whole different world. Midat chesed, hilel, it gives place for everybody. You're a work in progress. You don't have to be perfect right now. You don't have to be shalem right now. You're getting there. You're going there. We're with you. And therefore, most people fall into this camp. Is our avodah as perfect as those from Bet Maybe not. But it has more room for us. The collective Am Yisrael has a place at the table of Hilal. Let's finish this piece. But what about the fact that Tamidei Chachamim work hard? So it doesn't count for anything because the masses, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, shows chesed to them. Shehu ayin lorata, which is in the idea of ayin lorata. It's a reference though in Brachot. Let me pull up the Gemara. Amar Bichia. I'm in the right page, but the whole page is made up of Ein Lorata, Ein Lorata. I should have um, looked for this better. Here. Here, here, here. Amari Bichiaba Abba, Amari Biochana. Bichiaba Abba said the name of Biochana. All of the prophets only prophesied on behalf of the person who marries his daughter to Tamikhacham. Meaning, all of the blessings the prophets speak about will be for those people who marry their daughters to Tamikhacham. What does Chamim say about Amaret? A person should never marry his daughter to Amaret. Why? Would mistreat her. Exactly. The words of Chachamim. Uh, uh, he, he sleeps with her whenever he wants. He beats her whenever he wants. Amaritz is an evil person, a wretched individual, to marry one's daughter to. But Chachamim is the opposite of that. 
if is opposite of that, then many people that are Tamid Chamim who treat their wives like that, so likely they're not at all Tamid Chamim. And this is a, some kind of smokescreen that we've created that certain people who are Ameha Aretz cloak themselves as Tamid Chamim. And who else do they prophesy for? And someone who does business for a Tamid Chamim. What does it mean do business for a Tamid Chamim? So it could be the one who who gives of their tzedakah, but not, not really excisable. Like, tell me a, a, a Maybe they partner up, they give them a 90% of the transaction. Okay, so there's a partnership that does here. Maybe even more than that. Tell me. I was going to say that he invests the Talmud Chacham's uh, money for him so that he can get parnasah without having to do a lot of hands-on work. Very good. Someone else says, Chacham, give me that money that you have. I'll invest it for you. I will buy the house, sell the house. All, the, all of that, the profits go to you. I am using you, what you have to give you a parnasah. The Tamil Chacham likely is not the expert in parnasah. It's someone else that is. And so someone who does business on behalf of Tamil Chacham, it's not tzedakah, it's, I mean, it is a tzedakah, but it's, it's not strict tzedakah in terms of, here, take my 10%, uh, eat the crumbs. Here it's, I want to do business for you so you don't have to do it. And lastly, the prophets prophesied for those who give, they benefit the Talmidei Chachamim from their wealth. You give tzedakah to Talmidei Chacham, then you are included in this category. It's not donating to a Knesset or donating to an organization. I know they need something, let me give it to Talmidei Chacham. That person who does these things for Talmidei Chachamim, those people the prophets prophesied all their blessings for. But Talmidei Chachamim, so then, I shouldn't be a Tamil Chacham. I should be one of the people who's wealthy enough to sustain the Tamil Chacham. I should have children so I can marry my daughter to the Chacham. What about the Tamil Chacham himself? But the Tamil Chachamim themselves. The Pasuk says about them, No eye has seen it, Hashem, aside from you, who will do for those who wait him. Meaning, what a Tamil Chacham gets, that's beyond our ability to comprehend. So Arav Kuk is referring to this Gemara here in Masechet Berachot when he says, So even though the Chesed of a Kadosh Baruch comes to everybody, but that portion of a Tamid Chacham, that is, the eye hasn't seen. The world doesn't know that. Because the goodness of the Chachamim, the Tzadikim, is not something external that you can see. It's some kind of loftier accomplishment that only somebody who's a Tzadik, who's made up of three parts, can even begin to understand what it is. Nimtzan, therefore, it comes out, And so the revealed chesed of HaKadosh Baruch falls on us people. And those hidden parts of those which are for those who are satisfied, those are ready for them and HaKadosh Baruch to feel and to understand. What do they get out of it? What do tzaddikim get out of their avodat Hashem? Remember what the Kohelet said? The satisfied person. So what does he get out of the food that's left? He gets to see it. The chachamim, they work hard. The tzaddikim, they work hard. And what's their reward? It's to be able to sit back 
and watch Am Yisrael experience goodness because they worked hard. Am Yisrael gets beracha because they worked hard. And that for them came out enough. That's enough for Echacha. Hainu asaga ha-gedona and that accomplishment of the, the, the joy, the, the enjoyment of watching other people's success, unless you were part of that success, you don't get to feel it. That's what I mean that you can't understand what a tzaddik feels, what a chacham feels. It's the accomplishment of, wow, look what I did is helping people in ways that only I can appreciate because I put in that work. Like it says in Mishle. Let's look at the Pasuk. It's actually a beautiful Pasuk. If you go to uh, Mishle, if you want to open it up in Safari, you're welcome to do that. It's also uh, five. But what? Five? Chapter five? Why is it not here? Uh, maybe my source is wrong. What what does it say in your PDF? Five seventeen. I don't know why, guys. I don't usually use a Koran Tanakh. Koran, everything is. Sure, here you go, here. They will be yours alone, and others will have no part with you. Meaning, what does the Micham get at the end of the day? He gets a reward that nobody else can understand, he gets a Sakhar that nobody else has. And I think if you look back at Kohelet that we quoted before, and let me, now that I have my iPad here in the Tanakh, if you go to Kohelet that we quoted earlier, I think we can find there, uh, what do they call Kohelet in English? Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes. Yeah. No, Proverbs is Mishlei. It's not relevant right now. You find that Rav Kuk is explaining to us that the the difference here between the night that is made up of three parts and the night that is made up of four parts is an underlying spiritual argument that exists in Am Yisrael until today. And it's a matter of quality versus quantity, of Hillel versus Shammai. It's a matter of the main majority versus the elite minority. And so is the night made up of three parts or is the night made up of four parts? That's a great question. Maybe in Halakha we have an answer. But in the realm of the world, even if the night is made up of three parts, Bet Hillel demands the night should be made up of four parts. In the sense 
you see the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You see it when we get something that we don't really deserve. When the tzaddikim, their avodat Hashem, they get what they deserve. But we, we're still a work in progress. That work in progress also affects the divine beings, the heavenly spheres. I think when I read this piece of Rav Kuk here, and we think about the Merkava that we can't talk about, we think about the four sides of that chariot and the Avodat Hashem, and it's so hard because we're so much wanting to be part of Bet Shammai. We feel the need to be so perfect, to be so wholesome, that it almost cripples us from ever trying. See, Bet Hillel doesn't tell you, I want you to be imperfect for the rest of your life. What Bet Hillel tells you is, I'm going to include you even before you're perfect. But you have to keep working. You still have to keep trying. And in this argument here, this argument may be at the end of the day that the ideal is three parts. But in Hanhaga, in leadership, we must give people four parts. I'm not perfect, but I'm still part of this. I'm not nobody until I make it to the top. I'm somebody before I make it to the top. My success, my failures, those are all part of what's going to make me the greater me that I am. You know, we live in a world, in the West especially, where failure is considered a bad thing. What do you mean failure is considered a bad thing? A kid works hard, they study, they get a tutor, they work hours and hours, and they fail. So what grade do they get? An F in big red letters on their report. But did they really get an F? Because that kid who got an A was playing a Nintendo, uh, what do they play nowadays? Uh, PlayStation, what's the one you can't get? It's, uh, the whole world is trying. The Xbox, what's the one everyone's trying to get on bids? PlayStation, well, one of those things, the whole world is going crazy over them. How do I know? I have a brother who works at Walmart. Not at Walmart, in the uh, uh, cyber, he doesn't work as a cashier at Walmart. Yeah? He's in the cyber defense team of Walmart in the I don't know, online sales world. And it's a whole world of robots that are trying to buy these places. What? Then these people, they're playing video games their whole life and they go to school and they know how to take tests. They get an A and they walk out. That person is a tzaddik. In the world of the West, sure, 4.0 GPA, they're an A-plus student, they're going straight to Harvard. Yeah, beautiful. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't work like that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows how much effort, how much energy you put in things. Only a world like Sdom judges people in this way of success and failure. But failure? Sheva yipol tzadik v'ka. A tzaddik is somebody who falls even seven times along the way. The only difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, what do I say about uh, rasha'im? Rasha'im b'choshech idamu. Rasha'im, my grandmother, I used to tell it to my father when the room was dark. Rasha'im b'choshech idamu. The tzaddikim, they sit, rasha'im, they sit in the dark. They fell, it's not worth getting up again. I'll never make it to the top, I might as well stay here. A tzaddik says, you know, I fell, but that's part of growing. I'll fall again, I'll get up again. What does the famous Paitan say? I got neck down and I get up again. They're never going to keep me down. You know that one? They never will be able to keep me down. A tzaddik is a person who knows that falling is part of growing. That failing is part of being successful. And I think this applies in so many places in life. You know, there's a... If I spoke about Hasidim earlier, maybe I wasn't so kind. There's a Hasidic teaching. Anyway, studying out of Kuk and Maasem Al-Kava, I can quote Hasidut. I think the Baal Shem Tov was credited with saying, that a person has to meet a certain amount of nishamot. 
that could be potential matches for them before they're able to meet the one that's actually for them. And some people have longer roads and some people clearly have shorter roads. Rabbi Nachman Abrestov said that his grandfather's teaching, even people that you never met, but someone suggests, hey, maybe this person and that person should get married. They don't even tell them. That was also some type of connection that had to happen before a person meets the right one. And I'm not a man of uh, chassidut, so I can tell you my simple understanding of this teaching. Sometimes you have to meet the wrong people in life to know how to appreciate the right people that come along in life. Sometimes you have to mess up in business once, twice, three times to figure out the recipe for success to make it right. Sometimes you have to fail something in order to realize, wow, life actually requires me not to make that mistake again. Learn from your mistakes. That's what makes a person a tzaddik. Arasha, I made a mistake, I failed, I'm staying home, I'm not trying again. That's Arasha. When it comes to zivugim, when it comes to all the difficult things, it's difficult like splitting the sea. We're inclined to give up. Parnasah. We're inclined to give up. Raising children. We're inclined to give up. Whatever it might be in life that's difficult. Betty Lil is telling you, don't give up. But not only don't give up, you can make it to the top. But never try to make it to a top that is crippling you from even trying to be in the game in the first place. That's the difference here between are there three parts in the night or are there four parts in the night? Are we made up of three parts or four parts? And until you become a three-part person, don't reject yourself. Because like you and I are made up of four parts. Maybe we will make it to three parts. Maybe we won't. But so long as we are still four parts, that means that we're part of the game of Hillel. And Hillel has created a space that is inclusive to us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu nurtures that space with his chesed that is apparent because of how undeserving we are of that chesed. Chasidut, Harav Kuk. That's Harav Kuk's understanding of this whole sugya. In the weeks and weeks and weeks that took us to understand this, I hope will now be worth it a little bit better. When we tell you, when you learn something in the realm of Agadah, that whether the night has three parts or four parts is really irrelevant in Halakha. At the end of the day, Chachamim rule one way or another. But when it comes to Agadah, in Agadah, that dispute, even whether the night is made up of three parts or four parts, has a life, a, a life lesson for us that can take an eternity to really internalize and wrap our heads around. Until next week, Bazaar Hashem, I wish everybody Shabbat Shalom when it comes. Then, God willing, I will stick around. Anybody have any questions? For those of you who have to go, thank you so much for learning with me tonight. School of